0: morning, if you got your Bibles, go to the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 15, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, we're going to pick up at verse 1, we're just going to take a few minutes on a couple of verses. that is, I believe,
1: good and necessary for the morning. And for some reason, this great God that we serve, he like us weird band of people back here on the backside of Montgomery. Because if y'all pay attention, we ain't did nothing right. Everything we do is different from the way everybody says it's supposed to be done. And I think God has intentionally put us in a place as a group of people, as a weird group of people, who is willing to do wrong things. And for some reason, He still continues to work in us. He still continues to show up. He still continues to have mercy on us. And if you look within your heart, In your life over this last year or so, if you be honest with yourself, the revelation and the knowledge that you have of God and the stuff that God has poured forth in you, you ain't quite lived up to it. And there's a heaviness that seems to be upon some people in here where we see ourselves unworthy. And we didn't got discontented with church. We didn't got discontented with Christianity at some point during this last year. Some of us didn't got discontented with life. But yet God still continues to draw. God still continues to pull, even though we don't deserve it. We ain't done nothing right. And if life would have gone the way that we have been going over this last year or so, most of us would be dead. And a lot of us would not be nowhere near church or reading the Bible. you alone, connecting with a weird group of people in a small room doing some weird and crazy stuff. Feeling your heart being turned towards God in a way that you ain't quite experienced before. And that teaches you and tells you something. That our God is a real God and his love is a real love. And for some reason, it's directed towards you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That we ain't heard no new information, but yet we still have new revelation of who God is. That we ain't done nothing too much different than what we ever done before, but yet we still have a different draw, a different pull, a different passion, a different desire to know God and see God move in a way that we never had before. And it's because God is doing something great and God is doing something amazing in your heart. And it ain't got nothing to do with no church. It ain't got nothing to do with no people, no special anointing. It's the fact that there is a real God who has real love, who wants you to be in a real relationship with him that goes beyond anything that you have ever seen, anything that you have ever desired, anything that you can comprehend in your mind. Because we live in a real world with hurting people, a dying world, and evil is becoming more and more rampant, and ch- church and Christianity is becoming more and more watered down and distorted, and you can't find the difference, but yet and still, God is doing the work in us, and it's something that we should not, please do not take it for granted. Are you with me? Do not allow this moment or this season, whatever you want to call it, in your life where you feel this special pull, you feel this special draw, where you got a revelation that you quite ain't understood before, but you believe in something that you never believed in before and allow God to birth it out fully in you. You Do not take it for granted. Because this is a time and this is a moment where God is going to do something amazing. And I'm just... Happy to be able to say I can know some people who he going through it through. And there's some people who don't deserve it. And there's some people nobody expect. because there's some people who don't do the stuff church folk tell you you're supposed to do. Who don't look the way they say we're supposed to look. But the most liberating thing that we have is that God is real. And God really wants to be with you. And he really wants to live with you to so that a radical experience of his presence, to so that a, a constant communion with his spirit, his day-to-day life for you. And what we're going to look at in these short little verses, I guess I've listened to the radio or watching TV, and I realize all the deep preachers, they got life verses. So I had to try to figure out what that was. And if I had to pick one, I would say, this is mine. And this is the cheat code to freedom and liberty. John 15, chapter 1. And this is one of the last, what they call the I am statements of Jesus that is recorded in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you cannot do nothing, or you can do nothing. If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples as the father have loved me. So have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be fulfilled. I might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now in these verses, Jesus sets himself up. He is the vine. We are the branches. The father is the husbandman, or the farmer. And Jesus is taking the analogy that God started back in Jeremiah when he compared his people to vine. And he said how he was going to cultivate them and how he was going to grow them. But I want to take a couple of small points in this and hopefully we get this deep down in our heart. Starting in verse three, he says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So he's the vine, we're the branches. Everything that don't bring forth fruit, he get away, he get rid of. Everything that bring forth fruit, he purges it, he works with it. He prunes it that it may may bring forth more fruit. But he said, now, at this moment, you are clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. Y'all got that. Jesus talking to his disciples. Now, you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. What have the disciples done so far in this verse? Look at it. We read three verses. What have they done? Nothing <laughs> it just was there. he's the source of life. The father, as the husbandman, is the one responsible for cultivating that life, and since that is the reality at that point, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Only thing that they have done is what Justin said. they just heard, and because of them hearing. Everything inside of them that was not what God desired it to be has been purged away. You get what I'm saying? They didn't have to learn no special nothing. They didn't have to go through a special ritual. They didn't have to to, to find no type of buddy to confess to. All of the only thing that they had to do was hear the word that he has spoken to them. And he said, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. So you at the fresh point. Your life has started over. Not because you turned over a new leaf. Not because you got a new lease on life. It's because God has declared something that purges and transforms you within. Uh, you, you, You get what I'm saying? And so the only thing that they had to do was be clean.
0: You hear the word, and the word cleanses you.
1: So it's purely based on their connection with this vine that produces a reality with them, in them, that goes beyond their capability to achieve. Because ain't nothing we can do to cleanse ourselves. There's nothing we can do to purify ourselves. There's nothing we can do to get our place self in the place where we are fit to be vessels of God. But he said, "You are it, just because of the word that I've spoken unto you. And this is freedom. You, are you understanding me? This is true freedom. This is liberty. This is being set free from all the things that bind you, all the things that hold you back, all the trauma that you experienced in your life, because those things produces blocks in your mind where you see yourself as unfit, you see yourself as incapable of overcoming, but he said, now you are clean. So people mistreated me in my life. I went through a rough spot. That has damaged my soul. I got hate inside of me and unforgiveness that I don't see how I can get over. Now you are clean, what? Through the word that I have spoken unto you. You're cleansed of all the trauma. You're cleansed of all the drama. You're cleansed of all the hurt, all the heartache, all the pain. Everything that binds you that you do not see how you can live freely now. Because that man touched me. And I can't get it out of my mind. Every time I lay down and sleep in quiet moments, the the, the vision just reoccurs and it reoccurs and I don't see no way to get free. Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. All of that stuff, he can take it away. And the only thing you have to do is be connected to the vine. Please let us hear this. Please let us understand that freedom is in Christ, but that freedom comes at his cost. And all you have to do is be connected to him. And he cleanses you. He purifies you. He sets you free. And let's get this, this, this religified concept or uh, idea of this out of our mind. Because when we hear that be clean, you confess your sins, you faithfully just, forgive you of your sins and cleanse you for all unrighteous. And that only means in our head that I get a free ticket to go to heaven. We never allow it to become reality for us. It's just a metaphorical concept that some way, somehow, I'm forgiven. What that means? I don't die and go to hell. But I still carry the weight. I still carry the hurt. I still carry the trepidation and anxiety inside of myself. But when people ask you, you say, yeah, I'm saying I've been forgiven by the king, cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Cleansed from what? Has he cleansed you from the pain? Has he cleansed you from the depression? Has he cleansed you from the vileness of your mind? Has he cleansed you for the lust and the longing that aids your heart? If you can't say that, you ain't been made clean. But I think I want you to understand is you ain't got nothing to do with it. He does the clean. All you have to do is hear him. Let him speak to you. Let him pour out his heart to you. Because if you hear his words, you are clean. And understand that this is real life cleansing. Not some metaphysical concept that applies somewhere million years down the road. That you take these words, you take this life, you take this reality, and you'll let it work in your heart. But the reason we don't see the reality is because we don't believe it applied to that. We believe I have to fight and I have to struggle. There's things in my life, and there's some stuff that I went through that I just gotta get over. There's some stuff that's going on in my mind. I just I just gotta shake it off. You can't shake it off. There's some hills to how you cannot get over them. There's some stuff that hurts you so bad you will never be free from it because you can't escape it from your mind. It's always there and it shapes and it distorts the way you relate to people. It shapes and it distorts the way you receive love from people because you think they can't can love you because the other folk didn't love you and they hurt you and they've been bad to you and they mistreated you. So every time something seems a little bit wrong all those thoughts and all those feelings rise up in your mind and you start reoccurring that same pain, that same hurt, that same abandonment, that same loneliness that has been having you trapped for years. But what you need to know is these word's This God, this truth applies to that. Are you with me? It don't just apply to some distant concept, the idea of sin. It applies to you, who you are, what you have been through, what you're going through. This word, when he tells you you are clean, it includes all of that.
0: He sets you free.
1: And the only thing you have to do is be it. Are, are y'all hearing me? And this is something I've, some of us are stuck. And externally, we got it together because we can quote the right words. And we can say the right, and we know how to say uh-huh at the right places when people ask us stuff about church and about Christianity. And we live halfway decent on the outside, we got good smiles and, and pretty faces and you look on our Facebook page and everything looks great. But we're hurting and dying and dying on the inside. And we cannot allow life to be life the way God designed it to be because there's things in us that distorts our reality. Are are you with me? So I can't connect to Dominique the way I want to. Because she might be just like them other people. So I smile. I say, hey, I'd be nice, but I keep her at a distance. Are 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 you feeling what I'm saying? And it's because we have not connected the promises of God to the reality of life. You are clean. So just get in your mind whatever it is that holds you held you back, whatever the trauma is, whatever the hurt is, whatever the, the confusion is, whatever it is that you can't see yourself getting over it. And understand that that counts too. You can say, Well, I ain't do no sin, so this ain't a sin. This is something that happened to me. That counts too. Are you with me? And this thing gets a whole lot more beautiful. But we got to get that point. What they do? Nothing. Heard the word of God, made clean. And watch, watch what he said. He said, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So this is the one commandment he gave you. Abide in me and I in you. And just like The branch can't bring fruit of itself. You can't accept you abide in me. So what we need to do? Abide in Jesus. What does that mean? You just live with him. You allow his thoughts to be your thoughts. You meditate upon him. You keep your life centered and grounded in him. That's all you need to do. And if you do that, you're going to do everything God wants you to do. And watch this. Now, this is my life verse. I just got one. So I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do what? Nothing. Did did y'all hear that? Without me you can do what? So set yourself free. Because without Christ you can do what? So what expectation does God have on you? He don't expect you to do nothing. Because without him, you can do what. So, what obligation do you have to fulfill something in his life? No, because without Christ, you can do what. So, if I want to do something, that means I need what? Christ. When do you need him? All the time. How often do you need him? Every second of every day always. And you will never get to a point where you do not need him because without him you can do what? I don't think y'all got it. Do do we got it? Not only thing is, you got to believe it. Without him you can do what?
0: So I need you to see. Say it. Say it one more time.
1: One more time. And that's what we need to understand. Without him, we can do nothing. So the only goal and desire of our hearts is to get him. That's it. So we got two main points. By his word, we're cleansed. We have been delivered. We have been set free from everything that bounds us. And without that, without him, ain't nothing I can do. Let that resonate in your mind. So the next time you're trying to figure out how can I, you know the answer. Jesus.
0: Just think about it. Your mama
1: got children, Chilling crazy. But you got a heart, and I I want to raise my children up, and I want them to love the Lord. And I want them to go after Jesus. But I got all these obligations. I'm pulled too far and everything going. I ain't got quite, I don't even know how to. What you need to do? Get to Jesus. Because even if you knew how to, without him, you can do what? Nothing. So no, you can't raise them children right. You can't even raise you right. How are you going to raise somebody else right? But with him, can you do it? Because he is divine. He produces the life. And as long as you got in him, fruit flows. So if the fruit of a righteous parent is godly children, the only way you get that is you stay connected to the vine. So the only goal in your house is to get Jesus as much up in that house as you can. Because long, because you know you have full confidence, the longer Jesus is up in here, everything that's supposed to be up in here is going to be in here. And all my inabilities, all my failures, all my miscalculations, all my ineptitudes will amount to nothing because I can't do nothing anyway. Are you with me? And it flows to everybody in every step of life. So you've been reading in your Bible, you're getting deep and you're learning. And you come across that thing and say, you are. If you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive. And you be
0: like. God, I can't forgive them for that. Did you just lie? Halfway. But the reality of it does not matter
1: because what if you can't forgive them? You have reached the point to where you are fit now to be a branch. Because without him, you can do what? Nothing. So once you say in your heart, I can't forgive them. In reality, what you are saying is I need Jesus. And that's the place you need to take it and not get stuck. You get what I'm saying? Because sometimes we allow ourselves to get stuck in a place because we reach a reality that we can't comprehend how we can make it real. So when we get to the commandment, I got to forgive. And it hits the reality of our lives that this was too bad and I don't know how to forgive. We stay right there. And we say that since I can't forgive them and I'm supposed to forgive them, I might as well just quit. I might as well just give up or this verse don't mean what it said mean or some other reality is true. No. Without God, you can do nothing. So if you reach to that point where you say I can't forgive them, that should drive you to Jesus because you reach to the point where you realize that it's you who's talking and it's you who's in control and it's you who's trying to do something. But you ain't got to do nothing. The fruit of love and compassion, forgiveness, is it? Who produced the fruit? God does. How does it flow through me? I just stay connected to him. So the moment I tell myself I can't, what I'm saying is go to Jesus. Are you you understanding what I'm saying? So, yes, it hurts. Yes, it's bad. Yes, you cannot do it. But without Jesus, you can do Nothing. Do everybody got that? How much can we do on our own? Nothing. What if you've been a Christian for 20 years?
0: Still can't do nothing. What if you're very disciplined
1: and you lived a very orderly lifestyle? You wake up every morning, have your devotion and you go running and you have a very structured life and you got to, a planner and everything goes in the book and you're very structured and textured and you read three books every month because you're very ordered. Do you got some extra power that other people don't have?
0: No. Because without him, you can do what?
1: Nothing. Because we know there's some people on this planet who are very disciplined like that who have come up and been very trained and very self-disciplined and can focus their mind and get go to a task and get it done. So Most of them big CEOs and all, they live like that. Very ordered. But they cheating on their wives. Their discipline ain't helped them right there. You, you, you get what I'm saying? It's because no matter how disciplined you are, No matter how trained you are, you're still a human being who can do nothing without God. So don't allow anything in you to be an excuse for you, because it's just reality. Let's get a little farther. I'm gonna let you go. Watch what Jesus said. In verse 7, said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because in this way or in this point is my Father glorified. So God the Father is glorified in this. And what is there in this? That you bear much fruit. So you being and doing what God wants you to do gains him glory. So he set the whole thing up So that he can be glorified. Now who is God going to let rob him of his glory? Nobody. You sure about that? God going to be glorified in this planet and on this earth. You you agree with that? Isaiah 61 talks about darkness and growth darkness going to cover the land. But the glory of the Lord shall be seen. So no matter how dark it gets, they talking about God's glory, it's going to show out. He won't share his glory with nobody else. So who can stop God from getting glory on this planet? You sure about that? Now that's a very dangerous statement you just made. Because if nobody can stop God's glory, but God from getting glory on this planet, and if what we just read is true, that means nobody can stop you from being what God created you to be. Because herein is God glorified that you bring forth much fruit. Are you you understanding what I'm saying? So my reality and my life is bound in with the glory of God. So as I go, he gets glorified. Which means he has supreme responsibility and supreme obligation to make sure that I be what he created and called me to be. Because herein is the father glorified. That I bring forth much fruit. Are you you getting what I'm saying? That's a little deep and that's a little heavy. But that's reality. So my destiny and the glory of God are inseparable because he put his glory on me. That's real
0: good stuff. Do you understand that?
1: So let's just say that I'm a just straight up deplorable that when Hillary Clinton was talking she was talking about me just a band of deplorable. life all messed up no good raggedy uneducated just the worst of the worst that you can think of that's me
0: But then Jesus connects me
1: with himself. I'm messed up now. But somehow, for some reason, Jesus connected me with himself. Now, the way we normally think about it is God and his greatness and his glory and his honor is over here. Me and my messed upness. And my raggedy self and my Christianity and my life is over here. And I'm trying to fight to get over here. Make it to glory. But that ain't what the Bible teaches. What the Bible says is. Is that once you're connected with him, the same glory that Jesus had with the father, he going to put it on you. John 17. Jesus prayed for glorify them with the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. So what Jesus did was he took your wretched, ratchet self, you bunch of deplorables and God's greatness and God's glory. And he bound them together.
0: So God's glory is dependent on you.
1: As you go, he gets glorified. As you grow, he gets glorified. As your life is radically changed, he gets glorified. Ephesians 1 said God has an inheritance in us, and we have an inheritance in him. So God has set this whole thing up to where it's something in us that he's trying to get, and he's going to get it. And that something in us that he's trying to get is the glory and the honor that he gets as being the high and exalted one, the ruler of heaven and earth. But all that stuff is bound up in you. Well, Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We just messed up piece of nothing, but God's glory is connected to us. So when you think about God being great and when you make the statement that you're correct, can not nothing stop God from getting it glory? God going to be glorified all the time in the midst of every situation, every circumstance, God going to be glorified. That's true. So that means in the midst of yours too, right? Because herein is the father glorified that you bring forth much fruit. So if you're in a spot where life is sucks, it's just completely horrible. God got some glory in there. And you producing fruit in that situation, in that desert land, brings glory to his name. And that's what he's going to get. But who's going to stop him? So is the trauma from your past going to stop God from getting the glory out your life? No. Is the brokenness and messed upness of your circumstances going to stop God from getting the glory out your life? Is the vileness of your mind and the wretchedness and the distortedness and all the evil thoughts that you got going to stop God from getting the glory out your life? It cannot. The only thing that can separate you or or get you put apart from the glory of God and him being magnified in you is you stop being in him. As long as you're in him. God's going to get his glory. But see how Jesus set it up. So you ask anything of the father. He's going to do it. Because he desires that you bring forth much fruit. So this is the whole plan of God. God's plan is for you to bring forth much fruit. And he set this whole thing up so that you can do what he wants you to do and created you to do. So what you got to do? So anytime you find yourself in a place where you can't be, or you're not expressing the things that God designed or designed for you to express, you can ask the father anything in his name and he's going to do what? He going to give it to you. But like I said, we got to take this down to reality. So we back and we that mama and life is crazy and it's frazzled. And I see my kids drifting away and I don't quite know what to do. They growing, they nine, they 10. And I ain't been doing what I supposed to do, what I thought I was going to do. And I don't see no fruit and growing in them. You can ask the father. And He going to do what? He's going to do it for you. So you can say in reality, I don't know how to parent these children. And you speak in the biblical truth because without him you can do what? Nothing. But if I'm in him, I can say God teach me how to parent these children. And I can have full expectation that I'm going to be the best parent on this planet. Why? Because God made me a promise. He said if I ask anything, and this is what what, what what church that messed us up. Because we take that ask anything we go fanciful. We go to Harry Potter land like, like fantasy stuff. We, we, we want to see all type of crazy stuff. But real life needs to be right first. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all that other stuff. So ain't no need to be asking for all these big mansions and all this other stuff when your house dirt. You you get what I'm saying? Because you can have a mansion in a Bentley and Benz and Beamers and all that stuff and go straight to hell. And God can give it to you. You can have all that stuff and still be controlled by your loss. Solomon's life turned on one verse. He loved many strange women. After that verse, the whole story changed. Just that one verse summed up and destroyed his whole life. He loved many strange women. Then he started talking about him worshiping all false gods. Started talking about the wars and stuff that came to the city. Started talking about God finna take and punish the people. All that happened after that one verse. Before that, Solomon was rich. Solomon was wise. All the people were coming to him. The glory of God filling the temple of the people. All that stuff happened all the way until you get to the point where Solomon loved many strange women. So Solomon, if he had in the wisdom, when that glory of God came down and was in that temple, Solomon should have prayed again. So he got it right the first time. Because Solomon understood John 15 at first. Without you, I could do nothing. So he knew, I can't lead these people. God give me wisdom. Lead these people. Bam! God gave it to him. But then he grew and he kept going. Then he stopped. So we should have had another verse would say, Solomon said, I can't stop loving these strange women. God help me. <laughs> but we'll never make it to that verse. And so all we see is the demise. But we should not be those type people. So is it true that you can ask the Father anything, he's going to give it to you? Yes. But what we need to be asking for? Righteousness, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, temperance, all that type of stuff. Cause we need that more than any other thing. And it don't matter if I can send my children to Harvard. If I can't stop being angry at them, going to knock their neck off before they get there.
0: <laughs> it don't do no good.
1: <laughs> College 529 playing all that stuff Jay was talking about. I'm going to be in jail. I'm gonna be not going to be knocking their brain. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm get your college fund and bail you dad out of jail. <laughs> because I can't control myself. Are you with me? So two points. What you got to do to be clean? Nothing. Let the word of God do his work in you. And what you got to do to do everything God wants you to do? Nothing. Just abide in Christ because without him you can do what? Nothing. So the next time that devil starts talking to you and tell you how no good you is, you can say what? Amen. <laughs> I ain't nothing anyway. <laughs> so what you saying? What you mean I'm worthless? Why are you quoting the scripture? Amen in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's what you can say, right? When that devil's out to tell you, man, your life messed up and this happened to you and you'll never be free from this. Amen. Thank you, though. Glory to God in the name of Jesus. Because the more messed up you are, the more you need Jesus. Right? And the branches that produce the most fruit is the ones that got the most Jesus, not the strongest ones. Are you with me? (laughs) So the ones that are better connected, they produce the most fruit, no matter how big and how great it looks on the outside. Just like that fig tree Jesus cursed. What did it look like on the outside? Strong, healthy, flowering thing. Wasn't producing nothing. But when we go back to the Old Testament, Aaron had a stick. And this one, I mean, that might be my life first. I switched. See, now this is my life, verse fifteen five. My life chapter, or story, is Aaron's in the, in the rod. See, Aaron had a rod. People was complaining. I'ma mean, end it with this one. Aaron had a rod. Now the people complained, and God did a, a magic show. He said, "Everybody go get a stick." Now they were trying to figure out who the priest and how Aaron get the priest get to be the priest. Who so told everybody go get a stick. You know what a stick is, huh? You know what a stick is? A dead piece of tree. Something that them fell off. Told y'all go get one, and he said. Write your name on it and let it sit in the house of God. So Moses, everybody wrote their name on it. Moses took them and put them in the tabernacle. They came the next morning and they pulled the sticks out. And all the sticks were still sticks except one. Aaron's stick grew flowers and almonds.
0: A stick. Have you ever seen a stick grow flowers? No. Even when
1: you buy flowers that's just a stick, they die. See, like in a couple of days when all these husbands let these folk tell them what they do with their wives, they're going to spend all their money, like $30 on some flowers on a stick. And it ain't going to last like a week. They ain't going to be throwing it in the trash. <laughs> but every flower was already a stick. I mean, his stick was already flowerless, put it in the presence of God, picked it up, and it had flowers and almonds. You, you, do you understand that? So if God can take a dead stick and produce fruit, what can he do with you? And the only thing the stick had to do was be a stick and be in the presence of God. The stick just laid in the tabernacle all night in the presence of God did the work. And it didn't just grow flowers. It had omens on it. It would mean somebody else can take from it and gain life. But that's that deep. So no matter how worthless you are, no matter how dead your situation is, put the thing in the temple. And let it dwell in the presence of God. And this is what God told him. The ones who stick, produce, and bud it, that's who I have chosen. That's that's revelation. The one who stick budded and produced, that's the one I've chosen. And now we're back where we started. Because we see something that God is drawing and pulling on us. We see something that God is calling us unto himself. And those whom we call out of the called ones are the ones he's chosen. So let's allow the God for, to fulfill his call on us by allowing him to produce the fruit in us. Because those who produce the fruit, the one that bears the marker of life, those are the ones He chosen. But what you got to do to get there, be in the presence of God. However that look for you, long as it is you and Jesus being real, you get to produce the fruit. But not just pretty flowers, and rod-budded almonds. So it don't just look good for sure, but it can sustain life. Are you with me? So without God, you can do what? Nothing. So you can sing with the old hymn writers, I need thee, when I need you, every hour I need you. That's reality.
0: Anybody got any questions? So that was beautiful. How? Okay. So we do nothing. Just how does that, always use word reconcile with the idea that, like, when the Lord reveals there's something in our hearts that need to be worked on, does that mean we don't do anything? Like, like, what does that look like in practice, I guess, or application? You get what I'm
1: saying? I get what you're saying. So the question is, so God, show you something, point somebody in your life that I need to work on. So what does that look like in practice? I talked about this a little while ago. Generally, we'll go into it in more depth later. There's two ways the grace of God is manifested in the life of people. Sometimes I break it down into three, but there's two main ways. And it's what I like to call transcendence and transference. What I mean by that. Is there some things in your life, in your heart, that God will reveal it, that you need to work on it? You go to him, you confess it, and immediately it's gone. Like You just have no sign of nothing that it was ever there, and that's just the way God does it. But there's other times where he leads some of the Canaanites in the land. But in those times, he promises you that he would give you his wisdom and his strength. So there may be some times where God tells you, hey, you got this problem. And immediately following that, you get a thought, an idea. And to you, it just seems like a good thing to do, to try. But it's the grace of God giving you his wisdom on how to handle that situation. You, you get what I'm saying? So you might be like, uh, it's a guy, I struggle with porn. Because women don't do that stuff. <laughs> So like I struggle with porn and you're in church and you're praying and God I confess it, I'm sorry just purge it away from me get it out of my life and the immediate thought to follow is you need to take the computer out of your house that's just, that's all that comes to your heart and your mind. And you praying and you little take the computer out. Every time you think about it, that's the immediate thought, thought that follows. And that's the grace of God giving you his wisdom on how to handle that situation. And that's him calling you into trust and faith in him. You get what I'm saying? So as you begin to walk in obedience to that step, that you follow him, you obey his commandments, as it said in 15, then the, the life-giving reality unfolds from you. Do you get what I'm saying? But what normally happens is this. You get that thought, you need to take the computer out of your house. Then immediately we will say, well, golly, I'm saying I work online. I got um, you know, somebody supposed be sending me stuff, waiting on an email from a big and important job. So I ain't going to take it out and just going to move it to the living room. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? And that's your rationalizing the conviction of your heart. But once you settle in and know in it that God is that leading, that God's that guiding you, that you will hear his voice saying, this is the way, walk you in it. And you move in that, the power of God unfolds and it unveils to you. You get what I'm saying? So if you can obey it and hear his voice and go, power releases and you get freedom. And it may become a time where you can put it back. And God will lead you and guide you and direct you in that. But as long as you're sitting there struggling and you're battling and not trusting that God is the one who's leading you. God is the one who's guiding you. He is the one who's directing you. And everything that that push towards this conviction is him guiding you. Then you will stay stuck. But that's the way it looks practically. We take our issues and we surrender them to God and we allow his spirit to work. But sometimes that spirit works through transcendence. He gives you power. He gives you wisdom. He gives you thought. He gives you an idea just so you can learn to walk with him and obey him. Just like he did with the children of Israel. When Moses led them through the Red Sea, what happened? Moses lifted up his hand, the water split, and it was dry land. But when Joshua led, led them through Jordan, a smaller place, what happened? He said, you walk, let the priest go first. And as your feet touched the bottom, the water was split. So they had to step into it first the second time. To see the miracle. Well, the first time, it just happened. Boom, Ain't nothing they had to do about it. But God will give you the leading and in, in the, in the directions. So sometimes those bright ideas ain't just bright ideas. They're God ideas. And it's God's wisdom trying to lead you and guide you in certain areas and certain fashions. And we just need to learn to be sensitive to that and yield to it. And as we yield to it, the power increases. It makes sense to you. But the ultimate solution is always God first. Because once you try other things first, you, you you tempt yourself or you put yourself in a position where you're starting to get somewhat like what Paul was like talking about. That you have begun in the spirit, but you receive the spirit by faith. But now you're trying to finish this thing through the flesh. And that's the danger I want you to tell. So it all goes through God and it all flows through him and everything and every action that we take, we do it out of faith in him. So when I remove the computer, I don't do it because I think, and this is gonna take away the lust. I doing it because I believe this is something God told me to do, and if I do what He said, He gonna do what He gonna do. Are you with? Me?
0: I know you were saying something about us accepting our our cleansing, accepting what God said. So what happens when you know when we're unable to accept it? You know, from mental block or things that we've been through. What what happens? What do we need to do then?
1: Then you go back to square one. Well, Paul, I think it's Colossians three. We said, "As you begin in Him, so walk ye in Him." So the same way you start is the same way you continue. So once you've initially got conviction about that you need to believe in Jesus and you need to be saved, what you do, huh?
0: You change nothing. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the one thing you first start doing, you start praying. Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Whatever, however that worked in your life. But that's where you begin. And as you begin in Him, that's how you continue. So if you reach to a place where you find a mental block and in a in mental stuff and that's something that you cannot get past, you go right back to square one. So you go back to Him and you bring that before Him the same way. And you openly open it and confess it. That, God, this is something I can't get over. Quote the scripture. Without you, I don't know how this is going to happen. So you got to take it away. I'll give you an example. Like we all been there. Well, you've been broke. But y'all in this new age now. So y'all got new toys and stuff. Like I so said, we used to have to make the way to granny and get some money. How they mail it to us. And then we got deep with Western Union. That like changed the game big time. But in this new age, y'all got cash app and all that type of stuff. So let's say you call granny, you call mama, whoever it is. You broke, you down. It's like, I need some money. I need some bad, and I need it now. And she say, I done put it in your account. Just like that. And then you on your way to the store, and you checking your little cash app or whatever, and you realize, ain't no money in there. What you going to do? you going to call her again. And she said, I put it in there. And you're going to say, it ain't on there. It ain't showing up. What you did, when you put it in there. And you're going to stay on this chain until what? Until it get there. Because you got two things that hold you there. One, you realize you really need it. And two, you believe granny going to do it for you. And so because you have faith in Granny, and because you have this great need, you ain't getting off that phone into that thing, show up on your account. And it works the same way with God. If you truly got faith in him and believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, and if you really realize that this is a conviction of your heart, you're going to stay there. So you're going to say, Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me of all this and that and that, whatever it is. Then let's say you wake up and you see it again. What should you do? You go back. And you say, Jesus said, you're going to put it in now. Now I don't see it. It ain't showing up. And you say, yes, I did. Well, I don't see it. (laughs) And you're going to stay there until what? Until you see it, just like you do with Granny. So if you got that mental block, what Jesus said, I set you free and I cleanse you from that, then that thought pop up in your mind. Immediately, you need to go just like you will call granted once you open that thing up. Like, God, I thought you said you took this away now. What's going on? You said you were going to cleanse me. You said you were going to forgive me. I don't feel cleansed. I don't feel forgiven. The stuff, this stuff that's going on in my mind right now, it ain't right. You're going to have to take it away now. And you stay there until you get it, just like you'll do with granny, It works the same way. That's the true operation of faith. Jesus said in Luke 18, men ought to always pray and not faint. Then he gave the example of the woman going to the wicked king. And he said, because of her impertinence, because of the fact that she kept going and bugging him, he did whatever she said. Then he said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he not find like faith on the earth? So that like faith is a faith that won't quit until they get what it's asking for. So if you come to that block, you don't give up and say, oh, well, this stuff don't work. You're dealing with a person. Just like if you go in that store, you need to pay tuition or whatever it was and granny told you she was going to give you that money, you wouldn't say, well, I guess the app don't work. Oh, I get granny lied. She ain't going to put it. No, you're going to call. And you're going to keep calling. And you're going to get on a nerd. And if you have to, you're going to drive down there. FaceTime, whatever you do, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because you ain't going nowhere until you get it because you need it and that's the same way you work with God you show that same obstinacy, as I ain't going nowhere God until you give me what you said you were going to give me because it ain't got nothing to do with you and if you don't do it it ain't going to get done just like if Granny don't put that money in there you're going to be hungry
0: it makes sense to you Any others. How does being connected to Jesus help you to um, accomplish things that that have eternal um, value?
1: Help you accomplish things that have eternal value? Yes. Yeah. The main way is because Since you're finite, nothing of eternal worth can you truly do. So being connected with him, you get his eternal strength and his power that goes beyond your ability so that you can do it. Because as long as we're connected to him, his life flows through us. So that's the only way you can do it. So he gives you his strength. He gives you his wisdom. He gives you his compassion, whatever it needs you to pull that task off. As long as you're connected to him, that, that, that power operates through you. That's how Jesus told his disciples that when the Holy Spirit come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. So it was something about the spirit coming that made them witnesses. He not tell them like, you're going to get my spirit. So then you need to go be witnesses. Like when the spirit come on you, you shall be witnesses for me. So the spirit going to produce something in you that causes you to be a witness whether it was boldness, whether it was signs, whether it was giving them revelation of words, whether it was teaching them how to pray, all that stuff came as an outworking of the spirit inside of them beyond what they were able to do on their own. So as long as you connected to him, his life flows through you, and that's how you're able to do what he wants you to do. That helps.
0: Sometimes in our life, my life, I read the Bible, I pray, and yet still sometimes I feel disconnected from. from Jesus. So how is that possible to know a lot about Jesus but not really know? him?
1: Now that question goes twofold. So I, I I'll deal with the last one first. So how is it possible to know a lot about Jesus? and not really know him. The way that that's possible is because information in and of itself does not cultivate relationship. It's like uh, growing up, I grew up a big basketball fan. I can tell you a whole lot about a whole lot of NBA players. All right, Patrick, you want know I tell you? where he was born, when he moved to Boston, how he moved from Boston and went to Georgetown. A lot of details and facts. i tell you about him cheating on his wife at the club in Atlanta. <laughs> a whole lot of stuff, a lot of information. But there is no connection between me and him. Because I never spent time with him. i never been in the same room that he was <laughs> in before. You get what I'm saying? So, allowing that information to translate into a relationship is what produced the knowing. The information in, in and of itself don't produce knowing. It's like the little fast tail boys. They can look you up on Facebook, they can tell you your name. They might, if they were slick with a the computer, they can tell you where they stay at. But when they pop up to you and want to be close to you, you say, I don't know you. <laughs> It's because there's no relationship and there's no mutual respect and understanding and connection there. So if we just purely got information flowing through our head and that information never drives us to be close to him or try to understand how he connects and how he relates based on that information, that's how the information in and of itself can separate us from knowing him. Because a lot of information can deceive you into thinking you know when you don't know. Like, I can tell you about baking a chicken, but I don't know how to bake no chicken. It's because I don't watch videos on YouTube. I don't watch the Create channel on PBS, but I've never done it before, and I never planned on doing it. Yeah, just can you try to figure it out. No. So there's no connection. That, that knowledge never translates. There's no, never a time for me to really see how great do I truly know it because hey, it's just stuff on a piece of paper. You get what I'm saying? And so as long as it stay in our heads and it never translates to pushing us to connect with him and trying to understand how that relates to us, it's just words on a piece of paper. So that's how you can have the knowledge and not truly have a relationship But in reality, there is an enemy that we have. And the purpose of the enemy and the greatest tool that he has is deception. That's the power of Satan. He deceives, he tricks. And so as we relate to him and as we relate to God, our enemy's goal and plan is to get you to believe something that is not true. And that's why the Bible said we walk by faith and not by sight. So if I'm praying and I'm seeking God and I believe that what he said is true, I believe the reality of what he said, irregardless of my feelings. You get what I'm saying? So I can be praying and it don't feel like nothing. Like I feel dead. I feel tired. My mind wandering. and I feel like God don't love me. He don't hear me. But my feelings don't create reality. And I have to put it in myself to reconcile myself, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6. So I have to come to the conclusion that what God said is true. It don't matter how I feel. You, you understand what I'm saying? So if I'm praying and I, and I feel nothing, I just have to know that God heard me because he said he was going to hear me. It's just like if you call daddy... And you, you tell him that I need this, 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 and this for school. But it sounds like he ain't listening to you. But last week he told you, just call me and remind me when you need that and I get it. Do you worry that he's not going to bring it? Even though when you're talking, he may be doing something and it may seem real stale and dull like he really wasn't paying me no attention. And when in your mind you're saying, I wanted did he hear me? But you can have full confidence that he's gonna get it because he told you he was gonna get it. So even if he just said, uh huh, and hang up real quick, it might feel bad and funny. You won't call him, you won't go back off and tell him, Did you hear me? I really need this now. But you don't have to because he told you last week. Just call me and remind me, and I get it. And sometimes when you go through with them feelings and say, I told you I need that. Did you hear me? What does he say? I told you I got it. (laughs) But your feelings made you believe that he didn't hear you and he wasn't caring and he didn't understand. But was that real? No. He just didn't respond the way you thought he was supposed to respond. But you don't go based off your feelings. So when you pray and you feel nothing, you know that God heard you. Why? Because he told you He going to hear you. That if you pray to me, I'll hear you. If You ask the Father anything in my name, it shall be done unto you. So that's what you go based off of. So if you feel sad, it's like, well, I, I don't have joy because I still feel bad. Did God tell you he was going to give you joy? Yeah. So you got it. Which means you can just use it. Same thing, like when you go to the store and daddy get, allow you to use some money on the card, how many times you check it before you go? Why not? You don't see the money in the account. You trust him and because he told you you can go buy this and that and that. You don't check before you go. You just go buy.
0: But do you feel like you're rich? You don't, but you still feel you can go buy stuff. Why?
1: Because he told you you can. And it's worked the same way with God. So you don't have to feel it. Feelings are a help. Feelings are expressions, but they can be used and be manipulated. So even if you don't feel it, you have to know that it's true. And that's where faith comes in at. Because you trust him. Because there will be some times where you pray and God, it feels amazing. there'll be other times where you feel like nothing. But the difference between the amazing and the nothing is nothing because God is in them all. <laughs> and you have to just trust that. So even if you don't feel like God heard you or you don't get no goosebumps or you don't start weeping and crying, God still heard you and he's still there with you because he told you he was. Just like Dad is still going to bring it, even though he just said, uh-huh, and hang up real fast because he told you he was. And you can still go to that store and swipe that call even though you don't see no money because he told you it was on there. Even though when somebody asks you, do you got some money? You can say, no, I'm broke. (laughs) So how you gonna go to the store and buy all that stuff? And My daddy said I can. It makes sense to you? you? Help a little bit?
0: Okay.